0: of hell. Uh, That's not in our doctrinal statement, so it is an end. but I'm going to move it up into rotation. Um, That seems to follow uh, the reality of man and then the reality of hell, and then we're looking at the way of salvation. If you have your bulletin anywhere near you, you'll see our statement of faith that we read during um, the opening service, and it's talking about what we believe about salvation. In 2008, we were laying plans to break away from Beacon to... Anybody need a pen? My wife's giving them away for $5 a piece. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Um, so, Anybody else need one? Anyone right here? No. Yeah. In 2008, we were making plans to to break away from Beacon. They told us to do that. And they gave us several things to do, Um, a budget being one, leadership uh, structure being two. And the third one, he said, I want a doctrinal statement from you. Well, do you know how many doctrinal statements I know people that wrote one from scratch are? That would be zero. Um, you don't have to. I mean, there's, thank the Lord for cutting and pasting. <laughs> there are a lot smarter people that have gone on before that we can borrow from them, and you can, you can sort of get several doctrinal statements together and pull what you like, reword something, put it all together. Well, I did that. I spent two weeks doing this. I gave it to him, and he goes, Pastor Bartman, he goes, oh, well, I just wanted you to, to adopt the New Hampshire Confession of Faith. I'm not gonna say I wrote it. But this is this was my my doing ten pages of doctrine. Okay. Obviously more detailed than New Hampshire. I like the New Hampshire. The New Hampshire is concise. It's not overly done. It's not. It's not so complicated that a layperson. I, I get it. This is the, New Hampshire is actually the one that Mark Dever, out of nine Mark, actually suggests for churches because of its simplicity. I, I don't mind that. That's fine. Uh, but obviously, you, 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 we don't get to say everything that we we want to say in in these things, and so. What I've done is I've taken my section, the section that I have, uh, and we may take this one, the statement of faith, and make it an addendum later on. There's some language we, some some wording we need to change if we, if the elders decide to do this. By the way, as a commercial break, some have asked in, in past, do we adhere to the 1689 Second London or Baptist Confession of Faith? Now we would be very sympathetic to it. I would say 95. Jonathan, at least percent of it, we go along with, um, but some of it in the area of the Lord's Day and the Sabbath issues that it draws some comparisons to, that we would, we would sort of be different. That's the reason we have not adopted it in its entirety. Is because we would have to put so many little disclaimers out the side of it. It's out there in the, in the bookstore uh, that you're welcome to. Uh, again, 99% of it, maybe more like, more like 99% of it, we would adhere to. But there are some areas that we just would not, um, we wouldn't go along with. I've met guys who said, uh, yeah, we've adopted 1689. Uh, I go, oh, so you you follow its instructions on the Lord's Day. And they look at me like, what? I said, you haven't read it, have you? He goes, <laughs> well no I said well you adopted it well why did you adopt it without reading it and then uh, I was at a conference where this happened a guy came and goes, I didn't know it said that we don't do that I said well I didn't think you did but uh, it's again if you if you, now I got your curiosity up you can look up to 1689 dealing with Lord's Day and you'll see some language there that we would go away from but I want to take this section on salvation which is covered in your bulletin with that statement but in my section is bigger, all right, and we're going to cover several sections of it. Now, let me also say, I told you I'm going to let you out of here in a few minutes because I'm not going to exhaust election. <laughs> I can't do it, and it's not going to happen. And there's books written on. Each one of these, where you take whether you were to take uh, election or predestination or regeneration or justification or sanctification, you find books written on these things. Okay, I'm not going to do that to you, but I do want to enlarge it a little bit to for you to give you a little more uh, idea of where we are. I wrote uh, the this statement of faith that you have a piece of paper of i wrote it in the sense of we teach rather than we believe i I took that urging from carrie hardy at twin city uh that that made his like that is is it's to relay to people this is what we teach yes that's what we believe but this is what we teach not not it shouldn't be different i'm just trying to say it a different way so that people understand it so I've given you some blanks there I didn't give you a whole lot of them but I just want you to um, be aware of where we're going so I'm going to start at the top we teach that salvation is holy of God by grace on the basis of redemption your word redemption by Jesus Christ the merit of his shed blood through faith alone and not on the basis of human merit or works Ephesians 2 8 and 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them So we believe that it is not on the basis of human merit or works. And then the last part of that is we affirm the historic doctrines of grace. Some have asked, and we have said it, sometimes we say it, and and, and if I had to be pure about this, we're not a reformed church. Mark would would go, yes, that's true. Reformed churches by the purest definition of the term are presbyterian churches there are brothers and sisters in christ we believe it but they they would believe in infant baptism some other things that we would not hear to we are a church that affirms the doctrines of grace and again if you call us reform it's not the worst thing in the world but being the purest sense of the word i didn't i did not i purposely did not put it down that we are historically a reformed church we are historically a, a church that believes in the doctrines of grace what is election then? We teach that election is the act of God by which, before well, I don't need to find out before what. Before the foundation of the world. Thank you. The, the, the gap was bigger there. I just had the world, and I was going before the world. What about the world? What are you talking about? Before the foundation of the world? I've given you too much to go in that blank. before the foundation of the world. He chose in Christ those whom he graciously regenerates and saves. Now again, I've given you a scripture. I I want you to take these pages home this week. Look them up. Look up all the text and, and familiarize yourself with them. Ephesians, I'm going to stay in Ephesians. Ephesians 1 beginning in verse 4. Even as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight according to make known the mystery of His will according to this purpose which he had set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth so he did that before the foundation of the world, he did not he chose us in Christ to regenerate us, next bullet point, we teach that sovereign election does not contradict nor negate The responsibility of man to repent. It is called upon all men to repent and believe the gospel. This does not contradict or negate that. Nor, further on, and trust Christ as Savior and Lord. How do those two things go together? I don't know. They do. In God's mind, that's not a contradiction. In us, it is. But we don't, if we destroy one, guess what? You destroy them both. Okay? It's the sovereignty of God and election and man's responsibility. Number three, we teach that unmerited favor, the unmerited favor that God grants to totally depraved sinners is not related to any initiative of their own part, nor to God's anticipation of what they might do by their own will, but solely of His sovereign grace and mercy. God did not look down the cards of time and see those who would choose him and went back and recorded them. That makes you sovereign, not him sovereign. Okay? He wrote those names down before the foundation of the world because he was going to set his love on them. Jonathan said it this way the other day about grace. And I hadn't thought of it this way, Jonathan. In Those that teach grace is, 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 is the gift. It's the offer of the gift as opposed to... How did you say that? You remember how he said that? Yeah, yeah. Did you speak last week? No. He was talking about that, that when they talk about grace, it's it's the gift that's offered as opposed to what's done, to what is accomplished, the grace that accomplished salvation as opposed to well it's a gift. It's under the tree and if you choose it, it's great. If you don't, you know, there's no skin off God. You know, he just he put it under there, you choose it wherever you want to. That's not what the Bible teaches. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. That's right. Dead men can't choose. That's right. Leave it up dead men. Dead men will do nothing. Uh, But solely by His sovereign grace and mercy. Um, In Romans 9, which I was listening this week to uh, a short excerpt of a, car, a Piper telling out how he became a Calvinist, and it was Romans nine, Philippians two twelve, and Romans nine was the death nail for him. It was for somebody over here too, I think Jennifer, as well. But Romans um, chapter nine verses ten. Um, I was picking at verse eleven. Though they were not yet born, had done nothing either good nor bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of Him who calls. She was told, "The older will serve the younger." And as is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate. It. And, and what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. Where he says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills verse 21 has the potter have has no right over the clay has has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honor honorable use and another for dishonorable use what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has has uh, endured with such patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy which he's prepared before in glory I don't know what you're gonna do with the text. You have to cut it out. It's just like it doesn't exist. Okay, uh, and I, in fact, I knew a pastor that did that. He preached through Romans, chapter eight, chapter ten. It's like it didn't exist. He just said, "I can't preach it." Well, no, you're scared to preach it. You can preach it. You're just scared to preach it. So, uh, whatever number this is, we teach that election should not be looked upon. As based merely on abstract sovereignty. This is not willy-nilly sovereignty. This is not God just God is truly sovereign, but he exercises a sovereignty in harmony with his other attributes, especially his omniscience, justice, holiness, wisdom, grace, and love. His sovereignty will also exalt the name, The will of God in a manner totally consistent with His character is revealed in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I put there Romans chapter 11 beginning in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He should repay? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. That's very similar in its writings to Colossians, isn't it? Colossians chapter 1 where Paul reminds us that this is Him who was before all things. That He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether it be on heaven and earth making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled with his body by the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So there we go. Uh, It's not an abstract poverty. Poverty. Sovereignty. Lastly, I told you I was gonna get you out of here by ten after. We teach that biblical that the biblical position on election does not minimize believers' responsibility to evangelize or for evangelism if you want to put it that way. So I've had people you're 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 that Calvinist. Y'all don't believe in missions. That, let's bring out that yardstick. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. How much do you give to missions? Well, we give 10%. Well, we're a long way past that. We're a long way. Why, why do you? If you believe in that, why do you believe in missions? Because it doesn't hinder missions. It guarantees missions. Yes. Okay, It guarantees that the gospel is going to accomplish the purpose of which it goes out to accomplish it. And some, there will, that will harden some. It does. Even here. Okay? But it will bring those that God has called. I remember, uh, I wish I could find the article. Somebody was pressing Spurgeon about it and asking about preaching. He said, why Why do you attack the very means by which God uses to reveal His elect? What is it? The preaching of the Word. That's how He reveals them. The Word goes out and the hearts, God lights up that heart to receive that truth. So it doesn't minimize the responsibility to evangelize or for evangelism, but rather intensifies that that privilege. We teach that sovereign election on God's part and man's responsibility to repent and believe the gospel are both taught in the scriptures. They're both there. So pastor, do you believe whosoever will may come? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just ain't coming unless he draws you. Right? Okay. But, so what's my job? Go into all the world and preach the gospel too every creature that's, that's my job That's not, I don't know I wish you had a blue light you could shine on people's head black lights saying you know you elect or damned or something by the way I had this question posed to me not long ago so do you believe in double predestination why would you need to If you're, if you're dividing people up on two teams, you're on team A, you're on team B, what's your assumption? What team are they on before I chose them? They're not on team. That's the assumption. I'm choosing them on team A or team B. Does the Bible teach that man stands before God neutral? Nowhere. Man is damned to hell. That's where he's going. And by God's grace, he saves some. Why doesn't he save them all? Uh, You can ask him. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I wouldn't dare to venture an answer to that. Well, I I can't, I can't, Pastor, I have a hard time clicking with election in my head and the responsibility of man will join the club. Okay? But don't deny that they exist. Take these scriptures apart, look at all these texts, look at them, and you're going to come back and say, hmm, one person said I, I denied it was there and now I can't I see it everywhere I turn okay um, Eric were you, uh, yeah. will you define double predestination double predestination means I, 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 you predestinate those who go to hell and those who go to heaven so it's double predestination you go, I, I, I predestinate that person to go to hell predestinate that person to go to heaven scripture doesn't teach that scripture teaches all humanity is going to hell by their very nature and God in his grace predestines those who are going to heaven. You don't need to predestinate those who going to hell. They're going there already. Why would I need to do that? So that's, that's what the meaning of the predestination. In a nutshell. Um, I had something that was really good. I'm old. So I'll remember it when I leave. That's all right. It couldn't have been that good if I forgot it, So, sorry. So. Uh, let's pray Father we just rejoice in Lord the things, things that are that conflicts in our minds aren't, aren't, aren't contradictory in yours and Lord apart from your sovereign election none would be saved Romans clear none seek after God There are none that do righteous. None that do right. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If man's going to be saved, it's going to have to be an act of God. It's not going to be an act of man. God in His grace and His mercy who chose to have mercy on whom He has mercy chose those that would be believers before the foundation of the world. Before we say that's not fair, none of us want Fairness. Because if we get what's fair, we all go to hell. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. But Father, it also reminds us, because you chose, you can draw, and there's no heart so hard that you can't draw it. And so, Father, we we pray for the conversion of people. Because we know that if they get converted, it's going to be you doing it. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would go forth in, their, in them and turn the light on to... Take the truth of the gospel and bring them to repentance and faith. Father, we don't rob from you either. Father, thank you for the glorious truth of election. Thank you for comfort that it brings. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> Remember my prayer. I better say it fast before I forget it. Do you, do you have a problem with God choosing David to be king over his brothers? That, was that fair? How about Isaac over Esau? Is that fair? Okay. How about the judges? How about the ones he chose judges or major or minor prophets? Got any problem with that? How about the children of Israel? R- remembering they weren't, they weren't the greatest group in the world. And they proved that, didn't they? Okay? You got any problem with him choosing him? How about Jesus choosing his twelve? Did Jesus have the right to choose the twelve? Right? So you're going to tell me that God doesn't have the right to choose the bride for his son? That's what you're telling me. That's what you're telling me. And he does. It's the right. And maybe we don't understand it, but don't rob him of the glory that goes to only to him. Alright, thanks. You're just...